Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Random. Berto will your host. Thank you so kind for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. Anyhow, folks, how are you all doing? Welcome aboard. E2247 is in the house, and the one and only Bridge MCP is in the house. She says, hot here and well, Bruce, but the humidity and Drew Dewpoint not like water out there. You know, the good thing about uh, that kind of heat in New York is you spray a mist on you and you kind of feel cool. Here in Texas, not so much. Eric Hayes is in the house. Welcome, Eric Hayes. We also have Bruce Pollard says, good day, y'all. Try it. Uh, temperature is 102 in the shade. Yes, I know. My air conditioner is running overtime. Uh, let's see what else we got. Egberto, how long is Andrew Schmuckler's interview today? 34 minutes. I am trying to get them cut down going forward to about 25 minutes. Uh, I have to I develop a good skill in doing that with Andy. You know, with Andy, it's kind of difficult. Anyhow, uh, we also have, let's see, who else is in the house that I'm missing? Michael Rodden says he will be away for today, but we have E2247 and more coming in. Let me read the good long one from Bridge MCP. Let me prepare myself for that reading. It says, Long Hunter Biden listened to his lawyer. Trump should have done the same. Hunter is expected to plead guilty to two federal misdemeanor counts of failing to pay his taxes. Biden also faces a separate felony gun possession charge, but that will likely be dismissed. As a rule, it's generally but not to focus too much attention on the family members of politicians. If elected officials' kids enter the political arena, it's generally best not to focus, or rather, uh, serving in positions of public power or influence, for example, the standards change. But it, in general, the fact that someone is related to a politician does not mean he or she necessarily deserves extra scrutiny. With Hunter Biden, this rule has largely been thrown out of the window. President Joe Biden's son has never worked in the White House, does not appear to have any influence in any area of public policy, and has never sought public office. He's nevertheless been the subject of intense Republican in uh, for several years. Whether one uh, sees this uh, see this news as worthy of national attention or not, it certainly is historic. This is the first time in American history that the child of a sitting president has been prosecuted by the Justice Department. In fact, in the abstract, the circumstances are remarkable and, in, to a degree, encouraging. In the United States, we take the rule of law so seriously that Justice Department officials uh, felt comfortable prosecuting a sitting president's kid without fear of retribution and without interference from the White House. Instead, let's also not lose sight of the fact that the prosecutor in this case was appointed not by Democratic incumbent, but by Donald Trump. Joe Biden kept uh, David Weiss, the U.S. attorney in Delaware, in his position so that he could continue the investigation into his son. It's a reminder as to how the system should work. This, that said, Republicans apparently don't quite see it that way. Trump said last fall that the federal prosecutor in this case has been told to do nothing. There were no such directives. Uh, this former president just made this up. And this morning, the Republican, appoint, the Republican pointed to Hunter Biden's prosecution as proof of corruption in a federal enforcement reality, notwithstanding, Kevin uh, McCarthy claimed this morning that the Hunter Biden case is evidence of a two-tier system. 
That's true, but not in the way the GOP leader meant it. There's apparently one tier for criminal suspects who cooperate with prosecutors and listen to sensible defense attorneys and another for criminal suspects who don't. And it's even deeper than that. Donald Trump has been a criminal for decades. Donald Trump and I, Trump have been ripping people off, screwing people for a long time, and he hasn't paid the piper. And now he may pay the piper, and the, 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 the people are about to lose their minds. All right, who else is there? Carl Cox says, the progressive Cox is here. Welcome, Carl Cox. Eric Hayes says, Andy is... is Long-winded. No, but he's good, though. I like Andy. Lee Grant. Hey, y'all. How you doing, Lee? Uh, let's see. Factual authority, institutions, price, facts over feeling, uh, evidence over emotions, observations over options, conservatives favor feelings, emotions, etc. One of the reasons I like sometimes the long ones is it gives... Look, I do uh, 10 of these every week. Every now and then, one long-winded person to give me a little break. I think it's uh, okay. Don't you guys think? Tell me if you, th- if you like that. You know, what can I say? All right. Uh, what else have we got? Eric Hunter, the gun and drug and hooker and name peddling thug. If you want to call him that, good for you. Bruce Pollard said, good show this morning. Remember the CNN financial guys 10 years ago telling, uh, telling me to save my dollars have the kid take college uh, loans. Imagine that. That's what they did, didn't they? Uh, Eric Hayes says, Bridge MCP, total BS rule. Law doesn't apply equally. It doesn't apply equally, but not the way you think. Uh, what else we got here? Carl Cox says, Hunter Biden is a piece of crap. No doubt. However, Eric Hayes loves defense conservative crooks like Trump. That's a good observation, Carl Cox. And Eric, you should be, you should take that with a, you should really listen to what Carl Cox just said, because look at how you define uh, Hunter and Hunter hasn't done 10%. Uh, he's not a good guy, but he hasn't done 10% as bad as did Donald Trump. Okay, guys, we can keep chatting in the, in the chat room as we listen to our good friend, uh, Andrew Schmuckler. Okay. We'll continue chatting as we listen to Schmuckler. There we go. And we start at this minute right now. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. We continue with our series, A Better Human Story, by the one and only Dr. Andrew Schmuckler, who is a prize-winning author, former Democratic candidate for Congress in Virginia's very Shenandoah Valley, former talk show radio host, Summa cum laude graduate of Harvard University, PhD awarded with distinction in a program specifically created to accommodate his original theory explaining how civilization has developed and a frequent columnist in newspapers around the entire United States. Welcome once again, Andrew Schmuckler. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. You know, last time we left, we had a, a, a word that I use called uh, the shallowness of yeah. where America is, of who we've become. Yeah. And I'd like you to expand on that, because I think if we take a look at where society is today, how politicians are able to accomplish what they do, how politicians are able to do what they do. A lot of it has, in my opinion, 
to be that we have become and are becoming a more shallow nation and to which you say? Well, the question of what kind of consciousness has developed in America is huge. Uh, and, and I would like to share my own little story. Um, when you said shallowness of culture, I, I had a, a lot of things that came to my mind because, because of what my life has brought me. But it, it so I'll, I'll, I'll explain a, a little story about, um, what led me to ask what the hell is going on? Um, because the world didn't act like I believed it would act. Um, so uh, here's the story. Um, a lot of this is things our regular listeners will already recognize, but where it comes from is I had an experience in 1970, which showed me something very, very important. And I think kind of irrefutable uh, about the story of our species. In, in particular, it, it offered an explanation of why human history has been the way it has and why the world is as screwed up as it is. Uh, I, I think it's, I, I, I've delivered on our conversations a couple of statements, which I'll just quickly rehearse, which says, any creature anywhere on any planet in this cosmos that takes a step onto the path of civilization will, will be condemned to embark upon a destructive social evolutionary process like the one that has beset human civilization for the over the over the millennia. I think I can prove that. And, and I likewise believe that my argument, which I you know, I've been working on it for a long time and it holds water. But anyway, the ugliness we see in human history is not human nature writ large. Now, I think that if people recognized those truths, it would have a transformative effect. When I saw that on a particular day in 1970, it just changed the whole course of my life. It blew me away. I mean, it shook me to my bones. I wept. It shook you to your bones that humanity is better than the humanity you thought it was. In other words, most people are good people. Well, what shook me to the bones was um, a combination of I saw what had happened to our species and nobody else had ever seen this thing, which is really important. And it, it, it answering the question I've been wrestling with for several years at that point, which is why is the world so destructive? You know, 1968, me took me to a new place. But the other thing is, I didn't know what, up that point, I didn't know what to do with my life. I had always been goal directed, but you know, what sense does it make to fit into a, a world that's out of joint? Well, I got an assignment on that day and I wrote, worked on, on it. I got my doctorate. I wrote a 1600 page dissertation. I got a Ford Foundation grant to turn that big thing into something that could get published. I got it published in 1984 by the University of California Press, who treated it like a big deal. The New York Times gave it a full page. It was a big deal. And I had always envisioned if I could only get this thing out into the culture, as I envisioned the culture to be, it would blow other people away, too. It would change things. It would have an impact. That's why it was worthwhile to sacrifice a whole lot to get that written. So it gets out there. 
according to the world that I thought I lived in, something that is compellingly argued that has big implications if it were true would challenge the thinking world to either refute it so you didn't have to worry about what it was saying or accept it, which means you move toward what's been shown uh, to be true or you keep struggling with it. But the world didn't do any of those things. No, of course not. It, well, you say, of course not. I, I mean, I, I thought that I had fulfilled my promise when I got the book out there so, so well. You know, Esquire magazine put it out. There. Oh, it, was, it was great to be out of the wilderness and no longer quite the nobody. And, you know, it was and I thought that it was going to happen. You know, people were getting exposed to it. It was no longer this thing that I had failed to get out into the world yet. But then. They don't refute it. They don't accept it. They don't struggle with it. And, and, and when I saw that it had gotten out there, but then just been ignored. I mean, that's the word. That's the word ignored. And there's a lot of when do you ignore it? a shallowness creates ignorance. But continue. OK, well, you know, I, I, so I've had what is it? So like, like by, by the early 90s, I recognized that this thing had made its little splash and then disappeared into the in, in, into the uh, into the depths. Never, yeah. And and so I've had a long time to ask myself, well. Why is that? What is that? Well, you know, I can see how I got to my beliefs. I grew up in, with a father who who was always intellectually had intellectual integrity. I mean, I thought that the thinking world would respond the way my father did would. And but I also think that there was there was a, a difference. Um, I looked around and, you know, I, I've been aspiring to be, you know, I'd like people to take on what I've put together the way pe people when I was growing up took on people like Karl Marx with his systematic uh, way of understanding human history and 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 Freud who who is the guy that I you know as a late teenager I I got to know his thinking and it was important part of my thinking I, I wanted to uh to get uh, out there but and, and you know and it wasn't happening and then I noticed it wasn't as though other people's ideas, you know, about big ideas, big picture ideas about how to understand the human world uh, were getting adopted and mine wasn't making the grade somehow. Nobody, you know, Freud and Marx had fallen out of favor. They were no longer the, the they no longer had followings in the world, except a very fringe uh, in both cases. But there wasn't anybody else. And that's what got me thinking to about um, when you said the shallowness of culture. I've been entertaining the idea, which I which seems to be true, that the, one of the ways in which our culture is shallow is we don't seek a big picture way of grasping the whole ball game, you know, mm -hmm. the, the human drama. You know, like when, when I talk about the crisis in America, it's always part of a whole 
human drama that's been unfolding since the beginnings of civilization. I draw the lines. I've been cultivating this picture. It's all part of the same thing. And it's part of helping us see what the nature of the battle is and seeing what the nature of the battlefield is. And I think it's really important that we don't just see the news of the day, but we see the big picture. And yet, I mean, I, there, are, there are people who are thinkers in our time. I could list a few, you know, but they're not at the magnitude of what Freud or Marx did. They're not trying to show a whole big vista, whether accurately or inaccurately, what both, both of those guys declared showed something that you could apply to the human story in general, whether it's class conflict in the case of Marx or, or the, the role of the unconscious in, in the case of Freud interpreting Greek myths. And such. let me interrupt you for a second, because I think you're hitting on something that sometimes I wonder it's right in front of all of us and it's not seen. Right. You mentioned about the provocative and probably fact-based nature of, let's say, Freud and, 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 and Marx and others. And what did we want to occur to those? We wanted those to fall out of favor. We wanted to be able to ignore those things. because Why, it, why, why would we? I mean, why, I mean, I mean, why, why wouldn't we want to have a, I mean, I, I don't buy either of those, those pictures. You buy your part. own. You buy your own. And why do I you do. buy your own? Because it makes sense. Okay. It, to you, it makes sense. To me, it makes sense. But why uh, wouldn't people want the world to make and sense? That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. We, if we start thinking not just for the now, if we don't start, if we start having critical thoughts, what makes this happen? What allows this to happen? How does humanity behave instinctively, instinctively in the natural? It creates a problem from something you speak about all of the times. And that is the gangster. A gangster. It, we, there are a lot more of us than there are the gangsters. Oh, okay. I, so you're saying, I think what you're saying is that the gangster force. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I want to talk about it as a force, not the, but anyway, right, that, got it. That it has uh, an interest, right, uh, in in keeping us fragmented in our thinking. Yes. So we can't see the force that we need to fight and overcome. Exactly. You know, and you, and it's obvious. Again, we could you, let's let's forget about your personal ideology, but Karl Marx had a vision. Uh, if Sigmund Freud had a had a vision, you have a vision and you believe if people were to see the logic behind what you are doing, it'll create even if they don't necessarily agree, it'll cause them to think critically. And in the process of thinking critically, just what may they have come up with? But there's a piece. Uh, needing needing to be put in here. Go ahead. You and I, you and I have agreed that um, that our inability mm -hmm. to see the big picture serves, I will say, the force of brokenness. Yes. Okay. Um, that doesn't by itself explain why how, why it is that the thinking world. Um, 
would be disabled or reoriented. I mean, it does. They're, 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 let's say in the 1930s and 40s and 50s, mm-hmm. America, the, 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 the force of brokenness was alive in the world. Mm-hmm. They always had an interest in keeping people from seeing certain things. Right. Um, but nonetheless, people were looking for something that would explain why the world was the way it was, whether it be civilization and its discontents is a way of understanding it from Freud or, uh, you know, the, uh, the the class, the class conflict uh, from feudal to capitalist to uh, proletarian state or whatever. People had an appetite for it. How did it come to be? I mean, is it, are we to say that uh, that the force of brokenness was able to make people unable or uninterested? It, it's it's, I, it's I more think, meaningful. I think you see a, the big picture. I, I think, think it's, it's a richer. process. I think it was a pro, it was a, a marginally slow process. You know, I saw last night at a, as I was blogging at about one or two in the morning. I was watching. You ever heard of a person, a woman's? Her name is Elizabeth Holmes. She was. Oh, yeah, she's been convicted of fraud. Right. Okay. And you watch Elizabeth Holmes' story, and you talk about learned people, very smart people, both politically and scientifically. The people scientifically knew that what she was talking about really sounded like junk. The the people in in that had power were concerned about if that junk is true. You just watch how the imagination went that this fraud from a w- girl who started at 19 years old with the fraud all the way up to her age now, which is 39. I looked at that and believe it or not, I thought about you and brokenness and the gangster. Uh, are you saying are her you, are as you, the gangster? Yeah. Are you saying that that the minds of the people who whom she co- conned? manifested some inabilities that are relevant to this conversation? Yes. Yeah. Actually, I think you hit it on the nail. I think you nailed it because what happens is the way our minds work. Look, it doesn't matter that you're a scholar. You happen to be a scholar who are strong minded. There are not many scholars that are strong minded. We have uh, we have that they'll come out and they'll tell their theories. But if one fights back too hard, they they don't lose belief in their theory, but they go ahead and they keep it to themselves. Can I take this conversation back to me? Absolutely. Okay. so here I am. I just turned 77 this week. Um, Happy birthday. I I, I probably have reached at least the halfway point. There you go. (laughs) So. I happen to believe. My life would be simpler if I didn't Mm -hmm. that what I've put together, if it did occupy um, some significant space in how people in the world think about the human story and the challenges we face, I happen to think it would have a beneficial effect. I think that we would be and a beneficial effect. I mean, make it improve the likelihood 
that human civilization will survive in the next couple centuries, as opposed to culminating in some kind of self-inflicted catastrophe? Well, I would say that it's doing that already. I mean, the, the fact that, you know, I found you in, I mean, uh, knew, knew about yeah, you. Yeah, you're, you, 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 so any, to, to take it back to the shallowness of the culture. You know, I'm about to take my show on the road mm-hmm. in a couple of new ways. Mm-hmm. And one of them is putting out a series on daily costs mm-hmm. where I appear regularly mm-hmm. uh, as a reasonably well-respected political commentator talking about the mm-hmm. um, the immediate situation. Yeah. And by the way, let me interrupt, folks. He put an article out there at Daily Coast that simply went viral, uh, you know, um, I kind of got some notifications on it. And I said, well, guys, I got him first. You guys just are getting the leftovers of what Brother what, brother uh, Smoother has to say. It's the big picture that's my yes. life's mission. Yes. I mean, I want to do whatever I can to help American democracy survive. And I've, I've worked on that pretty full time since I saw what we were up against in 2004. Right. Uh, so uh, that's sort of a... Hey, uh, uh, Andy, uh, your camera kind of bumped. Yeah, I want to see your picture. Yeah, there you go. That's fine. Oh, I'm sorry. When you come too close, the head gets chopped. Here you well, go. Yeah, that, that's a metaphor for the whole thing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. so, so we're talking about, you know, it could have a beneficial effect. I just, you know, whether anybody else believes it or not... It's that belief. No, I'm, look, I am. I'm other people. Okay, I'm not yeah. you. Okay, and I'm, I'm that, telling you that in as much as there is for certain things that I disagree with with you on, I think your message is so powerful. First of all, I, I just I just got glued to a better human story because those people who believe in our humanity, who believe we are better than than what we look like, I think those are the people that we should be promoting concurrently promoting. Go ahead, sir. Well, you know, it's interesting you should focus on that. You know, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to think about that. That might be a direction I should take some things. But if the culture is shallow in the ways that you're talking about, that's uh, that's one um, obstacle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm about to put this stuff, you know, the best of my ability, I'm working on it in several different ways. Presenting the big picture on daily costs where people are there because they're interested in the battles of this moment, which I'm interested in too. So I write about those. But I'm now wanting to show the thing that's my life's mission to show, which is the big picture, the better human story, which even helps us understand and fight the current battle better than we've been doing. So it doesn't, it doesn't remind, mean, oh, let's stop paying attention to this fascistic force that's taken over the Republican Party. Let's understand what it is and where it came from and what its components are and the force of, of evil that's involved here, that's expressing itself here. That's a function of the forces that we unleashed as soon as we took on the path of civilization. And it was inevitable that we would. I want people to see that that's where our 
our species story has been. And it means we're better creatures than we sh should have been. That we, it means that we can see more clearly the nature of the challenge we face in saving American democracy and in preventing civilization from destroying itself. It's all part of one big picture and we can fight and win better if we see it. That's where I'm coming from. How do I get that across to the world as you see it as so shallow? Well, uh, the, 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 I tell you something, I, I, I have to tell it to you in a short story. And, and by the way, we're, we're going over today because the, the conversation is so sweet. Okay. But, um, this is what I, I actually, so I, I, I was on, on a board of, of a particular organization where I did a lot of blogging and I wrote a whole lot of notes. And in that note, I would have these headlines that, would piss the leaders, the, the other leaders off. And we'll go into meetings and they'll, they'll say, Egberto, why are you saying it that way? Or why are you doing that? And I said, to get eyeballs. And he said, but that's not what we're all about. To get eyeballs, you're messing with the message. And I said, but have, and then the other part they said is, but, you have a title like that, and when you read the story, it is so if it, it it's it's nothing like the title, and it tells you so much. And I'm like, it is like the title. It just got their attention to go ahead and be willing to digest what was given, and that is the magic. You ask, how do we get a shallow people to start listening to us? You you go meet them. In other words. You're not shallow. And if you stay in your lane, you are only going to meet people in your lane, people with your level of intellect, people with your level of unshallowness. To be able to get to those others, you have to meet them where they are. And that is the most difficult part of it all. I, I want to start with, I mean, I write these things up and... Um, I'm writing a 20 minute sermon that I'll probably be going around the country and giving to like Unitarian churches. Mm -hmm. I, I used to do that kind of thing in the eighties and the nineties anyway, but I haven't done it since I lived in New Mexico. And, mm -hmm. but uh, suddenly I have something to say, which is kind of the, the, the message is uh, the, the present title of the thing is, um, uh, let me get up there. Well, basically, it's got to do with how important it is to see our the humans, how, how the evolutionary perspective gives us a better human story. That, that's I love that. You see, I love that. You know, I mean, I think every time, you know, there are times that you keep telling somebody how bad they are or how bad X, Y, Z, and they live, they, they immediately live up to their expectation. I'll tell you another little quick story with my, um, my my kid, my kid, who is a black Latina, of course, like her daddy, she went to a school and uh, there, there was a time uh, where, you know, she, she took all AP courses and they told they were encouraging her not to take these courses. And what I tried to illustrate to other parents, because other parents did follow their lead and, you know, they'll come and. Like, Berta, my daughter wanted to go into AP and they suggested that she goes to, uh, to the regular, you know, standard program. What happens too often in society? 
is either we live up or we live down to people's expectations mm -hmm. or we allow other people to allow us to live down to the expectations they yeah, have of us. Funny that you should talk about expectations because um, what I... What I say about why it's important to understand that the ugliness we see in human history isn't human nature writ large. Right. I, mean, I think I think that people, if they think for a minute, they'll recognize that if that could be proved, that would have a big effect on how we see ourselves. You know, you know. Interestingly, um, uh, Doctor Smukler, let me tell you the the re the reason I adapted the methodology that I adapt with my. My, my right wing brothers and sisters, right? Um, because if I go into a Starbucks without talking about, hey, I'm your pinko liberal, I'm your pinko progressive, I can sit down and talk to somebody about your kid, about your wife, about the illnesses that they have and all these things. And it turns out like, wow, this guy's a nice guy. Then I say, hey, I'm a liberal. I said, you're what? You've got horns, you know? Uh, so I've learned what, but I've proven what you've preached for quite some time now. Well, let me let me say something about my limitations, because uh, yeah, um, you know, I'm willing to claim what I've done with my strong suit. You know, right? <laughs> uh, I know what I've done. Um, but what am I? I feel a couple of limitations right now, um, and I, I'm grateful to you because I think you're uh, helping me overcome them. Uh, by your role in the conversations. One is I'm a very march to your own drummer kind of a guy. Mm -hmm. um, and my brother, for example, who's a therapist, uh, he's able to form himself in a ver whole variety of ways to be with a whole variety of people. I'm more the cast in a particular mold right. <laughs> kind of a guy. And um, so I can listen to people and understand people empathetically, but I don't meet people on their territory. I, I meet them on mine. And another thing which limits me um, is that I'm a product of a different era. True. I, I, I'm watching a movie called, uh, that I got on my DVR called Friends with Benefits. <laughs> It's kind of a sweet movie, but it's also kind of shocking. You yeah. know, I feel like, am I watching this? Am I watching You've Got Mail or am I watching porn? Uh, and, and I realize that there's a generation out there watching this movie that's not having the problem I am. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's I, you know, the, the old fogey aspect of things, but I don't really, you know, I don't feel like that. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm intellectually trained. Right. And by a brilliant father and the best education you can get in America. Uh, and, and was always highly motivated. I made of myself everything that I could. And what it is, is, a, a, a holistic social visionary thinker uh, coming out of the Jewish tradition in some sense. Andy, let me tell you something. And I say this with a lot of respect and I say that, you know, I, I love you. I like you, all that did, good stuff. Did I do something time. bad just now? No, you did not. You didn't at all. But what I'm saying is you are just a creature of who 
you are. Okay. Yeah, and, and I see I the limits. Let, let, me, let, me, let me finish. Let me, let me get the yeah, shocking part ahead. that I want to tell you. Yeah, you are yeah. a creature of you, who you are. You happen to be this white guy who has always had, you know, who never had to compromise. If you take a listen to what you're saying, which I am, I'm saying there's nothing wrong with that. And I would oh, like to be there. I want, I want people this. to know that I had to compromise in, in that I never made a living. I know, but what I'm trying to say, what I'm really trying to say here is more so than most, more so than most. And, and you, in, in our conversation, that is, that is very evident, right? You don't have, you want people to play on your field yeah. and all of that. And that's not a I, bad thing. Let me, let no. me get what I'm trying to say. Because yeah. this is not a critique. This is a reality. This is not a critique at all. This is just how things have evolved in this country for sector people. Now, in this conversation that we have, right, we are able to expand the horizons of all kinds of folks that are listening to us. Because in the areas where, uh, because of, of, of history, you are not, you are not used to, let's say, doing certain kinds of, uh, compromising or whatever. Others are. And in that, in that, in that machination of people with these different points of view, et cetera, your message as well gets through. And that's why, you know, in, in you know, I know who you are when I, when I said, Hey, let's do this series. And I really enjoy them because again, there is so much to learn and there's so much that that someone like you adds to this entire discussion. And I love your, I love the title, A Better Human Story. You yeah, know. And, and you know, one, one of the things that you uh, said earlier had to do with um, uh, being better creatures than we thought ourselves right. to be. Um, you know, when I first wrote The Parable of Tribes, I, I, I emphasized um, how it was in a sense, hum humbling news that right. we have not been the masters of our own destiny, that we have been the victims of forces that we unwittingly unleashed. So I, I announced it as as humbling news, uh, building off of what Freud said, you know, Copernicus showed us that we uh, that, that we weren't at the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. uh, Darwin showed us that we we weren't a special creation. And now, says Freud, I show us that we're not masters in our own consciousness. And then I said, and now I show the bad news, the humbling news <laughs> that the, the course that we've taken in civilization has not been an expression of us and of, of our uh, of our choices. It was something we fell into that we couldn't avoid. And, you know, oh, go ahead, finish your thought. I'm sorry. So, so. Then in recent years, when I came up with a better human story, I came up with this thought, which I think. Which, which you're directing me back to also, which is that bad news in a way that we're, you know, this thing's out of control. <laughs> you know, the human civilization is and always has been out of control. I think that uh, should be written up as a theme in its own. But, Don't forget to write, just title it, title it. <laughs> <laughs> Where was I there? Just, just well, uh, let me tell you where you are, because we are way over time. And what I want people to do is come back for what we are going to talk about, because 
Andy ended at today's today's conversation in a very important spot let, in a better human story. Let, let me just let me just uh, finish that thought because you'll like it. Uh, okay, go ahead. That, that I realized that I should talk about the good news there. That we have fought ourselves to be as ugly a creature, a species, as you would get the impression we were if you watched all the ancient civilizations emerge out of hunting from hunting gathering societies to arrive at the tyrannies and empire building and slavery that we see throughout wherever it showed up. Imagine that if what, what the good news of, of saying that's not who we are. It didn't matter what our nature was. Any creature would have become the same ugly thing. Andy Bard, Dr. Andy Bard Schmuckler. We will continue this conversation about who we really are. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Well, I'm grateful to you, Alberto. All right, folks, I know some of you, I know it's kind of long. It went overdue. I'm going to try to keep the series that I'm doing with uh, Schmuckler to about 25 minutes. Uh, you know, we get off into talking and I kind of lose time. And I really, uh, you know, processing it would have been a, a, would have been kind of choppy in this one. I could could have done it, but I didn't. Anyhow, folks, uh, I hope you enjoyed that. I have another video to show you guys, but I'll do that a little bit later. They, I, I love what was going on in the chat. Um, <laughs> Eric Hayes thought that uh, Schmuckler was a bit narcissistic. I, I I hope you saw how I handled that. You're correct that uh, you know when when somebody says I will only play on my field, you know that requires some sort of response. I am willing not to just play on my field. I'm willing to play on other fields. If we if we really want to make change, if we really want other people to listen to us. Uh, whether you're on the left or the right, you have to be willing to go on their fields. And I think over the years, that is the one thing that I've learned. And that is going into Tea Party domains, going into, well, my wife didn't allow me to go into the Patriots domain the last time I got invited. And she said, there's no way that I was going to be heading out there with the militia. Absolutely not, she said. It was one that we had arranged in Waco, but she said no. So I couldn't go. Uh, but um, I think you have to, people have to feel some sort of familiarity with you. In other words, somehow feel that you're a part uh, of the, something that you can link in commonality. Eric said, oh, you gave me a compliment, Eric. I'm, I'm impressed. You said, you're pretty fair, Berto. I will give you that to you, but sometimes can't me off. The rails. <laughs> now you want to say I'm off the rails sometime. Okay, I, I'll, I'll take it. All right, let's see what else we have here. Uh, E2247 says, these all at scale disinformation campaigns are the active measures that have been used to start democracies. Uh, wait, wait, wait. To blast democracies the past hundred years since the 1920s. You know, uh, they, they, they will try. It is up to us to prevent it from happening, Brother E2247. Um, what else did I have? Uh, Bridge, I know, Bridge, I know. After 20 minutes, that's why I said I'm going to try to get it to 25 minutes, Bridge. 
I'll try to get it to 25 minutes. I'm going to try to put that clock there and, 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 and tell Smookler, hey, uh, Bridge wants you to hurry up. Bridge wants you to hurry up. So come on, get to the point, brother Smookler. Bridge wants you to hurry up. <laughs> because he has a lot to say. He has a lot of good things to say. All right, what else have I got here? Anything else people want me to say before I jump to the short other video? Lee Grant had said something I wanted to mention, but I can't find it. Eric Hayes says, I know, no, that's not what I want to read. I want to read one from, uh, anyway, Lee Grant, if there's something you want me to repeat, put it in again because I forgot it. Anyway, uh, I, w I wanted you guys to see this montage because finally it seems, finally it seems that more Republicans are coming up against Donald Trump as they rightfully should. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. Finally, Republicans are starting to call out Donald Trump. More than one of them, not only Chris Christie. What's happening? Could it be that they're growing a pair? Oh, no, 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 no. They're kind of tepidly putting their toes to test what happens if we go up against Donald Trump, the guy who had all those papers, you know, that Donald Trump, if it were somebody else, would say, lock him up. Well, they're testing the waters, but at least they're trying. Check this out. Trump's position uh, on the national debt is identical to Joe Biden's. There have been promises made about draining the swamp, building the wall, doing all these things. You know, none of that came to fruition. He's a petulant child when someone disagrees with him. He's also a fundamentally flawed person who engages in reckless conduct. I don't need to read the indictment or believe it's... Uh, allegations are true, although I'm pretty confident they are. Clearly, it was unauthorized, illegal, and, and dangerous. I view them serious and disqualifying, actually, for commander-in-chief. Anybody who doesn't want to look at the facts, they should be disqualified from running, not just Trump. It's unbelievable that some of these Republicans finally seem to be developing a spine. Let's see if it lasts, or will they just revert to form? My bet is they're about to revert to form. We, yep, I think they'll revert to form. Carl Cox wants another interview where we can discuss particular issues. I would love to interview you again, Carl Cox. I interviewed you once before, but I want to interview more of our, uh, before I, I uh, you know, I want to interview more of our audience here. And by the way, an interview also is calling the number. 281-823-7747. Why don't you call sometimes and talk in real time? And, uh, you know, uh, b believe it or not, that number can actually be accessed through a video call as well. I need to figure out how to set that part up. Um, anyhow, anyhow, so yeah, I would love, I would love to have interviews with our, our regulars here for them to just come out and, and say the things that they want to say. We should have somebody wants to drop me an email and say, Berto, interview me. Let's do a Zoom, put it together. And because, again, I want everybody to has, have their voice. If you listen to my 8 a.m., my 6 a.m. show, I get some regular callers. And every, every, uh, every other day or so, we'll get a couple of stragglers that just happen to pick up the, um, 
uh, pick up the, you know, I guess they are channel surfing and, and find it. So, you know, as it turns out, no problem. Uh, they call in and we have a good time. So I would love to interview any one of you. Again, drop me a line and say, hey, I, w- I, want, I want my face out there with you and we are going to be having a good conversation. Because like I constantly say, this is your show. Now, I don't have any more material to talk about today, uh, except for whatever else you might want to add right now. Or if you may want to call in and finish off the show with me, 281-823-7747. Again, that number is 281-823-7747. I'm so lonely when you don't call me. I need you to call. You know, I just invented that, you know. Anyhow, so we have uh, 281-823-7747 who will be brave enough to call. Remember, I try to be a very, very nice guy. Everybody has a voice. Anyhow, folks, um, we are going to, if I don't get any more statements in the chat and I don't get a call in the next 40 seconds, I think I will be clocked out a bit early. Eric Hayes says, Egberto, primary versus population questions. Okay, go ahead. Let me hear the primary versus population question. What is the question? What is the question that you want answered, sir? Uh, Egberto, primary versus population question. What is the question? Or am I misinterpreting that? Go up. Oh, go up. Okay, let's see. The primary is where it will count, right? And if bad orange man goes for a deal or not, do you think his base in primary is as strong as in you have uh, your investment program? Um, do I think, would I say you have where via your investment, pro, uh, investment jargon? Uh, first of all, if doesn't matter what happens right now, Based on how the numbers are right now, Donald Trump will win a Republican primary because Republican primaries are closed just like Democratic primaries are closed in most places. So he would win and he will become, he would become the nominee if he wins the primary, which he likely would win. The next step is, can he win a general election? My answer again in the past would have been not, not with all this stuff, he won't win. I have a different take after 2022. I mean, after 2020. For, for, for a Democrat to win in 2020, we had to so overperform. I'll be honest with you. If you had told me that Donald Trump would have gotten 70 million votes. Uh, I think that's what he got, somewhere in that vicinity. He got more votes the second time around than Hillary Clinton did. And we thought, many of us in this business thought, if, if, if Biden can just make 74 million, uh, no, no, uh, I don't think that's what it was. Uh, let me look at... Uh, Let's see, 2020, it's, it'll be 2020 vote count. I want to see it. I, w- I want to have the numbers right. Vote count presidential. Let's see what it is. I'm going to look it up. All right. Um, 
let's see. I wish I wish uh, Rodden was here because he picked it up. Oh, you're right, uh, Eric. You're right. Eric, you're absolutely right. Biden got 81,000. Trump got 74,000. That is more than Hillary Clinton. Trump got more votes than Hillary Clinton got when she beat Trump in the popular vote. I mean, my question was, what were the 74 million people? And most of those people are not MAGA. What were they thinking to put such a flawed person in office? And as you listen to him now, there's nothing he's saying today that he hadn't said before. What goes through people's minds who are capable of voting for somebody like that? I don't know. So when people think that it's a foregone conclusion that he can't win, I don't share that certainty at all. There's something that happens in the American psyche. There is something that happens in the American psyche that supersedes rational thinking. And believe it or not, I think it has, thank you for that number, Hayes. I think it has subliminally to do with race and that many believe the Democratic Party uh, in being as multicultural as it is would take away something that is the birthright of that specific group of white people who vote for Donald Trump. And I, I say that with respect. I say that with, with no racial intent on my part. But I honestly think there is something intrinsic to how the Republicans promote racial identity that made a particular group of white people, a large, a humongous group of white people, likely 70% of white people, to think the, that multicultural party winning is a clear and present danger to me. And in my humble opinion, that is the thinking process that white, progressive, uh, I know that I said white progressive. I'm not even going to say white progressive Democrats. I'm going to say white progressives. They have a big job to do. I mean, I, I try to do it, but again, uh, there's just so much I can do or people like me can do. I think the heavy lift has to come from white progressives who can show that a multicultural system is not anathema to the type of democracy where everyone has equal access to success. And I think that is where we have to go. Them, Dems don't have guts. I think you, you're, uh, you're right about that, Breach, but that is where we have to go. So anyway, that's my thought of the day. And for all my white people in this, in this um, forum here, whether Democrat or Republican or whatever, 
you have to be that bridge. You have to be that bridge. Trump voters behave that uh, it's, it's other people who are causing the problems of the middle class. They blame racists other than whites and other faiths, non-Christians. And exactly, Carl, exactly. And that is, that is what we have to break, right? We have to break that thing that pigmentation has much value. See, I like to make pigmentation valueless, but I can't until we've made it valueless. Anyhow, uh, you will have less than 150 million this time. I don't know. We'll see, Eric. We'll see. But anyhow, folks, I got to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.